Hello, everyone. This is Tommy, World at War Comics. I am the creator and writer of Kingsville. We have issue two coming out in the next month. You could actually participate in our Kickstarter by going to Kickstarter and typing in Kingsville. There, hit that notification button. We will be going live in the next week, and we would love your support. All right. Also, I need you to hit that ring bell and that subscribe button. We would love for you to follow us and hit that ring bell so you know when all the amazing interviews drop. Also, our podcast is brought to you by Cien Chili's, the best hot sauce you could buy. C-I-E-N-C-H-I-L-E-S dot com. Use comics at checkout and you'll save 15% off your total order. And also our friends at Comic Crusaders are huge supporters of the channel. Go to ComicCrusaders.com to get all of your comic book, movie, music reviews, even their podcast, Comic Crusaders. They interview all the best within the industry. All right. Without further ado, Jaire Cecil, he is the writer and creator of Deja Vu from Concrete Comics. Currently have zero and issue one that you could purchase at ConcreteComics.com. But they have a Kickstarter right now. If you go to Kickstarter and hit Deja Vu, it'll pop up for issue number two. You still have time to jump in on that. Um, it'll also be in the link within the subject matter. Check them out. Support Jire. Support Deja Vu and Concrete Comics. All right. Without further ado, here's Jire and me. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to World at War Comics. Today, my special guest, Mr. Jire Cecil. Uh, writer, creator of Deja Vu with Concrete Comics. Jairi, nice to have you, my friend. How you doing, man? Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, I'm yeah. doing great. I'm doing great. How's your day so far? Yeah, man. Well, the Kickstarter seems to be doing great, too. So that's awesome, man. Looks like we will yeah. be issue number two, which I'm super excited about. Oh, yeah. Yes, 100%. So uh, we were fortunate enough to be uh, to be funded on day one. Yeah. Um, so... So, you know, that, that's kind of been a, a consistent thing with, with the Concrete brand. So uh, eternally grateful to all of the uh, supporters of the brand, supporters of Deja Vu. Uh, but yeah, issue issue two launched last Saturday. Um, yep. Like I mentioned before, funded on funded on the first day. Um, now it's all about getting getting the backer count up. That's that's the primary focus for us right now yeah. um, is to, is to you know, get it get it out there as, as much as possible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we. We got what five days left, so there's still plenty of time for people to jump in and get it. And then obviously you have all the add-ons. So if you missed uh, issue one, right, you can still get issue one through the Kickstarter when you're getting two, right? Correct. Yep. So, um, so yeah, you hit the nail on the head. So we got issue two, which is launched, and then um, as you sift through the packages and you hadn't picked up a copy of it yet, you have opportunity to get uh, issue one and also a physical copy of issue zero. Oh, you still have um, zero too, right? Right on, man. So we got yeah. zero right here. Yep. Like a, a mini. And then we got the issue number one, which yep. ends in a crazy way. So I hope we get some answers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I had to, you know, you know, cast the line out there a little bit. Uh, <laughs> this is my first introduction to, to the comic book world. So, yeah. you know, just wanted people to, uh, you know, look look forward to issue two. And uh, really? um, my strategy was to not make people wait too long. Right. Um, so. Um, been blessed to be able to drop, you know, really all three books within a 12 month time, time span. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's maybe kind of get into it in a minute, but maybe we could start by, uh, talking about your history and comics. Like when did this passion for comics start for you in your life? Yeah. So, um, I, I've always been a fan of comic books, uh, growing up, uh, with my, with my uncle, he was the first one to introduce me to, uh, like the comic book world. Uh, we used to watch, you know, all the Saturday morning cartoons and things like that. So, 
you know, the, the Spider-Man, the Batman, the X-Men, you know, literally every everything. So I was always drawn into that superhero genre. Power Rangers was always big in our household um, as well. Um, so I had, you know, I had like a, I wouldn't call it a collection, right? Back then it was just, you know, I just wanted to read them, right? So, uh, you know, whatever he was reading, you know, he just passed it along to me and I would, I would pick it up. And I drew my first one by hand. Uh, this was like in the seventh grade. Okay. Um, so kind of developed a story based off some characters that he had drawn. He had uh, created some original characters uh, based off of like that DC um, world. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, had, he had moved away. He had went up to Michigan. And uh, when he moved away, he left me his sketchbook. Um, and like when he, when he left me that, I just drew inspiration from it and created my first stories um, off some of the original characters that he had designed. Um, and then from there, that kind of led to my passion for storytelling. So I was just always big on writing stories, creating things. So I got into screenplays uh, pretty heavily. And uh, that led to some opportunities in film and TV and things like that. Uh, so I did a few film projects as I made my way through high school and um, post high school and everything. Um, got a certificate in like motion picture television, things like that. Um, so what brought me kind of full circle back around to the comic situation was I actually ran into another concrete creator, uh, Lyle Ringel. He's the writer creator of The Watchmen. Yeah. Um, uh, a copy of The Watchmen ended up on my desk. It ended up in my hands one day. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't know what it was. I hadn't heard about it. Um, but I used to see him all the time wear like the concrete swag and everything. Um, so when they, you know, pointed me in the right direction, I, you know, I approached him and just that, you know, first congratulated him on what he had produced and talked to him about his his process. And he had stated, you know, he had originally wanted to be uh, a movie. Um, and then he had connected with the right folks and had the idea to turn it into a comic book. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was like everything kind of coming full circle as I, you know, started with the superhero genre and, and drawing things uh, at a young age and then transitioned to movies and had this movie idea. So it kind of all came full circle. So that's what kind of brought me back around to uh, the comic book medium. Yeah, right on. So in the seventh grade, you already had started to build out uh, the characters that are in Deja Vu, like Malcolm and stuff? So this this is a adaptation of a screenplay that I was writing. Oh, okay. um, so the character, the characters from my book back in seventh grade, it, it was very different. Um, yeah. But some of the villains are still inspired by some of the things that my uncle was kind of doing back back then. Some of the things that we were, um, you know, kind of kicking the tires on. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's still inspired by what I was doing back then. Um, but this is a, a fresh take on a character that I was creating for a, a movie that was not a superhero movie whatsoever. Right. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was wildly different. It was completely grounded in reality. Um, yeah. No, um, like I said, no supers or anything like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's what got me here. Yeah. So it, it wasn't built on a super, um, like a superhuman. But Deja Vu obviously has that superpower. When did Correct. that come into play? Like, when did that transition um, take place from the screenplay to actually having that uh, superpower? Uh, really, so as, as I was walking around and just developing the story, uh-huh. um, where where the original story started, um, it was, it, it would have touched on a story of a absentee father, um, an adult who, you know, was totally fine, like lived his life, was good, but then something happens and it completely rocks his world. Mm-hmm. Um so as I got to the deja vu piece, you know, I was 
it started like weighing heavy on me a little bit. Um, and I didn't want to tell that story because it, it kind of painted that person in a negative light. So mm-hmm. what actually kind of sparked this was I was like, okay, if I want to continue to dive down this path, what if the father's gone for the most heroic reason possible, right? Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't something that that was, um, you know, negative or it wasn't a negative influence. It was just something, it was like an ultimate sacrifice type yeah. of thing. And then that, you know, always got my wheels turning and that what kind of led me down this path where I was like, okay, well, what could, because as a father myself, you know, you have to think what could potentially take you away from that situation? Like what would force you to make that decision? It has to be, you know, a much bigger threat or bigger, you know, something's happening to make you, you know, choose that path. Um, So as I started to explore that, that's where the development of the superhero concept came in, uh, came into play. Then I always had, a, like I said, I always had a love for superheroes, right? So, uh, yeah. you know, just going back, going back to my childhood, it was just like a match made in heaven as, like I said, things kind of came full circle for me. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Because uh, his superpower is uh, precognition, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So pre precognition and then what that does is it kind of enhances his, um, his fight or flight response yeah. uh, where it allows him to move faster, hit harder, things of that nature. Because again, you think of the stories of, you know, mothers moving cars to yeah. save their kids and things like that, right? So um, because he can detect these things before they happen, you know, it allows his body to respond the way it would need to in, yeah. in intense situations. That's so awesome, man. I love it, man. It's a very unique skill set too, right, that you don't see a mm-hmm. lot. I don't know of another super a superhero that off the top of my head that has that skill set, mm-hmm. right? Obviously super strength and be able to do some of that stuff, but not like an understanding that it's about to happen and then the reaction to that. So that's pretty awesome, man. Very unique. Yeah. And uh, thank you. <laughs> right on, man. Well, that's cool, man. So as far as the development, right, you have an issue number zero, right? But that takes place mm-hmm. at a different time than issue number one, right? Issue number one and issue zero. That's like, it's not like a second part to issue zero. I noticed at all. Correct. So, well, actually, uh, stay tuned just a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah. So, we're talking uh, like the chronological order of everything. Yeah. Um, issue one would be the origin point for the character. Okay. Issue zero would technically be issue two point five. Okay. Um, and then issue two. So, issue two picks up right after the events of issue one, and then um, as you read issue two, you see how it it comes okay. together. It it connects. And then uh, issue two point five, however you want, however you want yeah, to see yeah. that. So how how issue zero ties into the end of issue two um, leads to a bigger a, a, a bigger event. So um, yeah, so any any fans of concrete out there definitely want to stay tuned. Stay yeah. tuned for that. Absolutely. Now this is a six part series, right? That you're starting off Correct. with first arc, right? Yeah, arc. Yep. Yeah, right on, man. And uh, man, the villain, the Reaper. Yeah, he looks pretty dope, though. I have to admit, man. <laughs> like yeah, you want to hate him, but at the same time, you're like, dude, he looks <laughs> awesome, man. That was uh, that was one of my biggest. I mean, for me, so like Batman was my favorite um, yeah. hero growing up, but uh-huh. it was more so of how intriguing his villains were. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so for me, you know, I put a lot of energy into not only how how aesthetically he looks um but also how can he give malcolm as much hell as possible yeah right so um you even see that in issue zero where the villain that he faces off with almost has a direct counter to his his power set exactly yeah yeah he needed a lot of help to get through that yep 
Yeah, yeah. And then in issue one, man, something crazy happens, which uh, at first I was like, what the hell's going on, man? Right? But <laughs> it seemed like everyone had to go into hiding. Now we know why at the end of issue uh, number one. But, you know, it starts off and, and, and family is a big part of this this company. Um, that mm-hmm. has been built. It's actually been passed down after the the passing um, yep. of uh, her mother, right? His wife's mother. His, his mother, actually. Oh, his mother. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So, man, it, it was. I love that aspect of the family and how involved everybody was. But then, man, mm-hmm. we don't even get into it that much, and all of a sudden, everyone <laughs> has to go into hiding, man, because of what's about to happen, man. Um, yeah. How important are those folks that were left are going to be part of the story moving forward? Because we really didn't get to dive too deep into each of those characters that were sitting around that table. Yeah. So everybody, everybody plays a part. Um, and uh, the reasons why um, also get told um, as we move further into the story. Okay. Uh, so when, when I mapped out the pacing, so when I built out the arc, um, again, a six issue arc, right? So yeah. Um, I kind of took an episodic approach to to the writer for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was doing that, you know, I wanted to gain some momentum in that first issue to leave people, you know, wanting more. Um, issue two kind of accelerates that. And then as we reach the climax of, of this arc, yeah. it all starts to come together where you understand why those people are in his life and, and why they were so important to him or are so important to him. Yeah. Um, and that's really what a character kind of draws his strength. Um, is for those people around him. Um, wanted to make sure that the audience understood that this character is uh, selfless. Yeah. Um, his family is very philanthropic, but you know, at his core, he he feels responsible to protect the people around him. Sure, absolutely. Now that definitely comes across. Definitely comes across, man. That's so awesome, man. So it, you know, when as you're building out uh, this world, the deja vu world. What are some of the things that you have enjoyed the most? Like, is it the the storytelling? Is it the character development? Can you pick one mm-hmm. thing that has been the the one thing that you love the most about uh, developing Deja Vu? Uh, the one thing that I love the most for me, uh, like for me personally, is the personal um, connection that I've built with the character. Mm-hmm. um the the decision making that he faces the things that occur in his life yeah. um it's it's like a alternate reality for myself in in many ways um and even even with the crown global so like when i went into designing the character and his backstory and why family lineage and things like that are so important when i look at the building um so of course chicago has an iconic skyline and things like that so you know you see the diamond shaped building and people you know you recognize that building but Right. Like for me, my mother used to work in that building. Mm. Uh, we used to have, you know, take your kids to school days, uh, take your kids to work days. Right. And, uh, like I've, I've taken a tour inside of that building, been inside the diamond office and things like that. So yeah. um, it's a lot of person, personal effects in there that, you know, people who know me will see it or read it and be like, I remember when not that exact thing happened in his life, but I remember yeah. when something similar to that occurred. Um, so for me, it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like autobiographical in in nature. Um, of course, exaggerated and you know made made a little bit more fancy, but sure, uh, I think that's I think that's my favorite part. That's awesome, man. Do you have a part of the process that you just dread, but it has to be done? You know, uh, uh, talking to Lonzo. <laughs> 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 so, uh, <laughs> what I mean, what I mean by that is, <laughs> yeah, you better. Uh, I think you better define <laughs> that, bro. <laughs> 
no, so no, that I mean that, that I mean that dude is uh he's one of the he's one of the best human beings I, I've had sure. the pleasure to to work yeah. with or come across. Uh, he he he's always like trying to slow me down. Yeah. Um, in a good in a good way though. Yeah. Uh, because of course he's seen there done that, and uh, you know he he wants me to be as efficient as possible, and I think that's the most frustrating thing is because like I know he's right, but it's like. <laughs> I, I gotta go like you know i want to i want to go so like i would rather uh if for me it's just like adjusting my style to understand um you know the the timelines and the way we want to we want to release things and and things of that nature so um my nate by nature anytime i'm working on something i kind of i go into a bubble i go into a shell so like if something's big happening or if i'm developing something like i I'd go into like almost isolation, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and in this process, it's a lot more collaborative. Um, mm-hmm. to when you're part of the brand and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so you know, I share this idea with him, and he has a different idea. And then, like in my world, I'm usually like the final decision maker. <laughs> but in this world, it's yeah. like, okay, I I know, like I'm coming to him for a reason. Yeah. Um, but but I think that's the I think that's been like the more challenging part. Yeah. Um, is just understanding. Like yeah, there's a method to to the madness, and you know you you gotta you know be be that team player. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Um, as far as that collaboration between you and like the team of artists and colorists, how does that relationship look like um, between you and them, and how important is it to have a strong relationship? So having a strong relationship is is crucial. Um, I think I went through probably about. Five or I think I went through about five artists mm-hmm. in the beginning uh, mm-hmm. when I was first developing um, issue one mm-hmm. because I had a idea of what I well I knew what I wanted it to look like mm-hmm. um, I knew what tone I wanted it to be so when you're talking about the coloring yeah. um, it's some fantastic colors out there um, but everybody has their style so mm-hmm. you have to find the right style to match the tone um, and I learned that from Lonzo right he he said what type of story are you telling you know is this more metropolis or is it more gotham right yeah. that that matters uh when you come when it comes down to select the colors um but the relationship that i built with my primary artist uh like that's that's like my brother so much so that the character Rui is inspired by him uh-huh. um the character Rui didn't exist before i met my my mainline artist yes awesome. uh, and like as we started to build that connection and everything um like that's what kind of sparked that that need because again like you know just inserting a little bit of myself into this like as we got connected i realized like you know it's it's a partnership right like i like i need him to to help me bring this vision to light so uh if you look at Rui and and malcolm's um relationship like you see how in, interdependent they are as as we go you know as the story goes along mm-hmm. that's awesome man yeah because it, it is uh a unique relationship between a writer and an artist. And you could tell as a reader when that communication isn't there and mm-hmm. you're reading and the art isn't saying the same thing. So, <laughs> yeah. right. I don't know. You've probably read a book before and you're like, I don't think they're on the same page, man, because you say one yeah. thing, the art saying something else. Cause right. The art has to tell such a big portion of the story because you're limited yep. to words. Right. So yeah, no, that's pretty awesome uh, um, way to answer that. And I couldn't agree more, man. Um, how did you um, get connected with uh, Concrete? I think you answered it a little bit, but 
Um, and then once you were connected, how important has that been to you bringing uh, this story to light? Um, yeah, so getting connected with Concrete um, was really through that interaction with Lyle. Yeah. Um, so when I when I had to watch him and then I talked to him about it, um, like huge credit to him just being a, a open book, yeah. um, you know, right away. You know, a lot of people, they like to like gatekeep or, you know, like, you know, yeah. like this is my thing. You you go find your own way. Uh, yeah. And that wasn't his mentality whatsoever. Cool. Right. Um, yeah. He immediately was like, I could introduce you to Lonzo tomorrow if, if you yeah. want me to. <laughs> um so so that's who made the initial connection um and then from there that's when the pitch started and everything like that um to help develop to develop not only the story but also where deja vu would fit in the concrete universe right mm -hmm. um you have to be very selective when you're introducing these characters and things like that yeah. and um you know obviously very protective of, of the brand yeah. um so that's been that's been huge um uh, I mean, deja vu isn't what it is right now. Like we don't, we don't, we don't get fully funded in 44 minutes without the concrete support, right? We don't get fully funded on day one on issue two without without concrete. Yeah. Uh, so that's never once lost on me. Uh, we've done um, a handful of comic conventions and people have recognized the logo from afar, like through Artist Alley, right? And yeah. you know, if um, you know, you know how it is at cons and Artist Alley. It's it's a madhouse, right? But yeah people see through the madness and they see that K and they're like, Hey, I follow you guys on such and such, you know, I'm in the, you know, I'm in a Facebook group and things like that. And they just mm -hmm. want to know what, what's going on. So like to have that support from Lonzo, the community and, and everything like that has been paramount. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. No concrete is definitely at the top tier of independent uh, publishers right now. And, Man, I don't know how many titles, man. There's a bunch. <laughs> I, I think I got most of them. I'm not sure, but it's got to be like ten or eleven titles under the Concrete uh, brand, which is super yeah. impressive, right? I mean, it's only I think five years old next year, if I'm not mistaken, yep. the fifth year anniversary. And in that short time, to be able to produce the amazing titles that have been produced is pretty awesome, man. So congratulations to you and everybody at Concrete because you built something that me as a fan really enjoys, man. Yeah, no, much, much appreciated, much appreciated, and uh, yeah, the way the way that the family is building out has been incredible. Uh, it's just been a tremendous amount of support, not even just from Lonzo, but then you got uh, Jamil and yeah, and uh, uh, Onaji. Uh, yeah. Those guys reach out almost immediately. You have um, Carla, the the writer of Luna. Mm -hmm. um, like she hits me up all the time. Like, hey, have you done this? Hey, you need to go live. Hey, <laughs> have you seen this? Hey, join my join my group. Yeah. Um, on Facebook that, you know, she like things like that, like just like She's you have to record. Yeah, you have you have to recognize when people are, you know, truly in your corner. Right. Um, like for her to reach out and say, hey, I got a group that has, you know, several hundred uh, members. Yeah. Promote promote here, promote your product here, not ask for anything in return. So yeah. just things like that is just, you know, like mean the world to me on my journey. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So you got cons coming up. Um, mm -hmm. what's the next con that you, uh, have coming up that you're pretty excited about? So, I'm um, pretty excited about what we got planned for next year. Uh -huh. Um, we are locked in for Fan Expo Chicago, um, <laughs> next year already. Um, so we'll be out there on the uh, main floor actually. So, you know, nice. we, we did Artist Alley, uh, last year. Um, so we planned something pretty big, um, again, by being the fifth year anniversary. So, uh, we are going to be there. Um, and I have several applications out there right now, um, mm -hmm. but primarily that fan expo circuit. So 
Yeah. Um, I can tell you what I'm eyeing right now because we're still waiting on some of the things to come back. Um, so, you know, we're looking at, you know, like the Orlando's. Of course, Philadelphia is big uh, for concrete, you know, started started out there on the East Coast. So, yeah. you know, got some serious plans to make it to Philadelphia. Um, I also want to go out on the West Coast to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fan Expo does does an event in um, late later in the year for San Francisco. So, yeah. you know, we're just picking some select cities to um, to hit up, uh, put out an application for a DreamCon. So, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully we hear back from them soon. And uh, yeah, just trying to get, just trying to go on like a little mini tour. Yeah, you know, that'd be get, cool, man. <laughs> get it into the hands of the folks. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's super exciting, and uh, nothing uh, more I think uh, enjoyable than sitting at a booth and having people recognize your book and uh, mm-hmm. want your signature on it and stuff like that. I think that'd be pretty cool, man. Yeah, you know, by, that's, that's one of that's one of the best feelings. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Um, how far out are you as far as like as a writer, like? That story, it's a six-part arc. Do you already have that whole six-part written out, and then you're just going back and refining it issue by issue? Like, how far do you work out, and what's most comfortable for you? Because I think it's different for every writer. Yeah, so for me personally, I've already the, – the entire six issues are already outlined out. It's already built out. Um, so much so that right now, like, at this time and date, um, issue three and four are already in production. Um, so issue three is about halfway done and issue four is about six pages in. Um, so, um, I always try to work ahead, uh, because Mm -hmm. of how, you know, like my, my, my actual like career and everything like that is pretty time consuming. Um, so like when I get time to, to write and hammer these things out, um, I I do so, um, but also leave myself room for edits and refinement, like you said. Um, and then I'm, I'm looking ahead past how does this arc end and then lead into the next arc for the character. Right. Um, so the villain, the villain for the next arc is already developed and everything like that. So, so that's coming, that's coming down the pipe too. That's pretty exciting, man. Um, to be able to kind of work out, I mean, a six part arc is, you get six issues under your belt, man. You're, <laughs> you're pretty, you're in pretty good shape, man. I don't think too many, like indie creators either get to six and they're real indie creators and are continuing or they never mm-hmm. get to six, man. <laughs> it's not easy, right? Um, no, to, it's not. To do it. I mean, you're, you're fortunate with concrete, man, but without like a good publisher, man, it's very difficult, man. I don't know, man. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty impressive. You get to six. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely, it definitely is a, is a grind. And um, that's another thing that I want to be um, like respectful of too. Right. Uh, yeah. Like when I'm having these conversations with, with Lonzo is that you don't operate under assumptions, right? Um, because, you know, everybody that goes out there and picks up a book, they're making a conscious decision to, to support the project, to look into it. So um, that's never been lost on any of us. So we we understand that, you know, what we have is, is special. So, you know, you got to be protective of the brain. You don't want to put out any garbage. Um, so, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a, a situation where, you know what, my goal is to just like turn and burn. Um, It's more so like an obsession to where like when I'm walking around in my everyday life, like I'm I'm revising the script in my head. Right. (laughs) So then when I have, you know, those four or five hours to actually clip in the paper, that's when I can get it, you know, get, get it out there. But it's a constant like creation process. So once you have like an issue three and four, which it seems like you're already in production, but like an issue five, where you kind mm-hmm. of have the script built, 
like how often are you going back to that and making changes or can you like divorce yourself? Like that's good. And I'm done. I don't need to touch anymore. Are you constantly messing with it? Oh, I'm constantly messing with it. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I think I made edits on issue one up until <laughs> the day we sent it to the printer. Are you serious? <laughs> like, yeah. like, it was it, like, I was, I'm reading it. I'm like, I don't like how he says that, yeah. that you know, or I don't, I don't like that word. So like I was going back and, and making adjustments to the, to the last minute. Yeah. Um, now as the team has started to build out a little bit more, um, I don't know if you just get more comfortable. Like, so once the first one is out there, now that I see the reception that people have of the character, like it, it helps me when I write two, three and four, because, okay, people understand who the character is or what he's about. Right. Um, so it's a little bit easier to do that, but for that first one, it was like, yeah, it was down to the wire, uh, <laughs> making last minute adjustments. I think we, I think I forwarded it to the printer and then like 24 hours later, I hit them up like, hope you didn't print anything yet. Cause I gotta, <laughs> I gotta change out a page. Um, I had a, I had a certain panel that I'll never, I'll never tell you which panel it is in issue one. Um, I had, I had the artist like send me four renditions of it. And then Lonzo was just like, man, look, nobody's going to care about that square. <laughs> like they, but it just didn't look right to me, and it, yeah. it's still, it's still, you know, it is what it is. Like we, we, we got there eventually, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be nerve wracking, man. It is, it is, <laughs> it is. Yeah, I think for you and Alonzo, man. Oh yeah, yeah. He <laughs> says that like I'm like the the best worst person to work with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's cool, man. No, hey, you're a perfectionist, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I, at least I try to be. I try to strive for it, right? Uh, you know, you always have room to grow and things like that. For sure. for sure, man. Well, I mean, the character is dope as hell, man. Um, he looks amazing. So uh, kudos, bro. It, it looks pretty awesome, man. And all the character Thank development out there um, looks pretty amazing. So can't wait for two because it does end in a way where you're like, dude, come on, man. What you <laughs> I'm still saying like that, but yeah, you're like, oh. Oh, man so you don't have to reread it when issue two comes out man you know how it is with yeah. indie comics right you start to forget you're like okay what was it again you're like right. oh, and you're pissed off again and i'm sorry right. upset at the end of two i think uh it'll yeah yeah you'll you'll definitely want a, a little more um, yeah, yeah so yeah so that that was the and that's another reason why because just as excited or uh interested as people are like for me I'm excited to to get the next one out there, right? Because I again, I wrote wrote I write with an episodic approach, right? So you know, you think about when you're watching like a Disney Plus series, and Thursday hits, and I I gotta wait seven more days to yeah. figure out what happened. Like that's kind of that that angst that that sets in with me too. So that's yeah. why I did the production cycle the way I did for for issue two. So okay. um, where issue two is is actually done. So like issue two is ready to hit the printer. Um, I have my sample prints here already. Yeah. Everything's been vetted. Uh, so so that's locked and loaded. Um, and that's why I'm comfortable with moving forward to uh, issue three and four now, yeah. um, because, you know, this is this is done. Yeah. Yeah. So do you plan on um, having two Kickstarters next year for three and four or are you going to try and do one a year? Like, what's the plan or do you have that yet? Uh, we we're still developing it as as a company. Uh, what what that should look like, uh, whether that be you know quarterly, biannually, uh, whatever the case may be. If we want to pick a specific season, um, so we're still we're still kind of kicking the tires on that that yeah, piece yeah. in terms of like what makes sense. Um, 
sometimes the Kickstarters can, I mean, Kickstarter is always stressful, right? Uh, oh, like sure. you, you press, you, you press that button and then it's like, okay, is anybody watching? Does anybody yeah. care? <laughs> is anybody gonna, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, that's, that's always pretty stressful on us as a brand. So, um, we're just trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um, but definitely have some ideas and we have started the, uh, collaboration process to, to what makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. I don't know, man. I love it, bro. I love it, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> all, man. So as far as kind of uh, next steps, right, let's remind everybody there's five days left. You surpassed yep. your goal on day one, um, but you're doing pretty good. I think the goal is at least to hit that $2,000 mark by the end of this uh, five-day period. I think that's very doable, man, if we can oh, yeah. get uh, more people um, out there because you're only a little over like, 270 uh, dollars away from that. So, uh, man, if we could help get to that 2000 mark, I think that'd be pretty amazing. So anybody who's listening to this, man, get over to Kickstarter. I'll put all the links um, below. So that way it's really easy for people to uh, connect and get over mm -hmm. to Kickstarter. But yeah, you got five days to jump on this again, dope ass character. It's absolutely amazing, man. You will not go wrong. Anything from concrete, right? No one's putting anything bad out on concrete. <laughs> So I haven't read anything in concrete I didn't like. So, uh, yeah, you definitely not need to get all over that and uh, check it out, man. Anything else that we're leaving out, um, Jairi? Anything else that you want to kind of let the people know? Um, yeah, just that, uh, you know, be on the lookout uh, for, for more big big news coming up uh, next year. Don't want to look too far ahead, but, uh, you know, stay tuned to all of the concrete channels. Um, you can find Deja Vu at Deja Vu underscore comics on mm -hmm. Instagram and Facebook. Um, also Twitter, although we're not that active on Twitter just yet, um, TikTok as well. Um, but stay, stay locked in on all of the social media platforms as we start to release our convention schedule for next year as well. So, you know, you'll have opportunity to, uh, meet us in person and get some signed copies, take some pictures and things like that. Um, but we definitely got some swag and things like that, that we're, uh, that we're excited about from the t-shirts to, uh, to the, uh, exclusive, uh, Deja Vu plushie. Oh, that's so, awesome! Man. You, know, you got you got, you got the plush toys out there, things like that. You know, for you know, for the collectors, for the for yeah. the kids, and things like that. So again, just just trying to build that brand out as as much as possible. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations, Jerry. I mean, it's pretty dope to read, man. I can't wait for issue number two. I'm itching, man, trying to get that. <laughs> so, uh, when do you think uh, shipments will be out after the Kickstarter? Like, how quickly will you uh, be ready to start shipping? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned earlier, um, the book is ready ready to go to print. We just have to uh, solidify everything. So Kickstarter comes down at the end of this week, this upcoming week. Um, so the books will start to print early December, early to mid-December. Um, and then from there, they should ship out in the next following two, two to three weeks. So, you know, once the Kickstarter closes, it takes about, um, I think about 10 days, 10 business days for everything to transfer over. Um, so that way we can get all the supplies and everything. So. Um, I would say about four to six weeks after the Kickstarter ends, um, the first book should start to kind of start start arriving, I should say. Nice, man. Well, can't wait for it. I already uh, did mine, so um, can't wait yeah. to have issue number two. But Jairi, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you stopping by the channel. Um, let's help Thank you. you for having me. Uh, hit that five more days, man. Hit that $2,000 mark, man. And I can't wait to see uh, issue number three after two, man. But congratulations yes. on your success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I much appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. Take it easy, man. Yep. Thank you. Have a good one.